You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. Will gastrointestinal surgery provide new opportunities in the treatment of type 2 diabetes? Joining us to discuss metabolic surgery for the treatment of type 2 diabetes is Chief of Gastrointestinal Metabolic Surgery at Weill Cornell Medical College, New York Presbyterian Hospital in New York, Dr. Francesco Rubino. Dr. Rubino, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, this is a great topic. Well, let's start off with some basics. Tell us some background about bariatric surgery, where we've come from, and the evolution to where we are now. Well, bariatric surgery is a surgical discipline that started in the uh, early 50s, uh, 1950s. And uh, basically, at the beginning, was uh, a discipline, a surgical discipline that was meant to uh, help massively obese patients to lose weight. Pretty simple. Uh, the idea was that you could restrict the stomach and shorten the uh, bowel absorptive surface uh, by doing a sort of bypass of the small bowel and reduce the overall energy intake, making these people lose weight. But over the years, we have discovered that um, many things are, were not the way uh, we initially thought. And first of all, the bowel uh, and the stomach uh, are endocrine organs themselves that regulate body weight. Uh, and so this new knowledge has, start, has uh, led to a new um, um, perspective, a new idea of bariatric surgery as a, a metabolic uh, um, kind of a procedure in nature uh, for the mechanism of action. And in addition to that, a lot of metabolic uh, conditions associated to obesity, like uh, uh, sleep apnea, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and diabetes, uh, improve dramatically uh, to the point that some of them, particularly diabetes, can even get into a, a full remission. For so, so for all these reasons together, we are now um, considering this type of surgery as metabolic for the mechanism and for the type of uh, effects that um, it achieves. Who should be offered bariatric surgery? Well, uh, it's, uh, it's difficult exactly to accurately uh, uh, give a criteria for patient selection today because the idea of uh, using surgery to intentionally treat diabetes is pretty new. So much of the data we have comes from the experience with bariatric surgery in a population that is usually massively obese. So we uh, have a, uh, so far some evidence that surgery may be offered beyond the uh, c- conventional uh, indication of patients with high BMI, like over 35. But we certainly have, uh, I think, uh, conclusive evidence that um, surgery acts uh, for more mechanisms than just weight loss and can improve diabetes in animals and humans, whether or not they are obese. Therefore, we... um, I think it's safe to say that uh, using BMI alone as a criteria to select patients is totally inappropriate. Uh, BMI also does not predict the severity of diabetes, for instance, does not predict the um, complications from diabetes, and uh, does not predict the outcomes of surgery. So I think we have to work 
to find out new parameters uh, to uh, select patients. Unfortunately, we don't have that knowledge yet, so we still have to be very cautious and uh, move forward step by step. So for today, uh, patients who have both obesity and diabetes, in other words, whose BMI is above 35, but they have type 2 diabetes, they should uh, consider surgery. This is a, a strong statement uh, made by not only the NIH 20 years ago, but now even by the American Diabetes Association. Let's talk about the main uh, adverse events of these surgeries over the long term, you know, vitamin deficiencies, things like that. What, what can you tell us in general? Well, absolutely. I think the, there has been uh, in the years uh, a lot of fear about the consequences of uh, bariatric surgery, uh, including the mortality associated with bariatric surgery. In the early days, uh, there was a relative um, um, high mortality from this procedure uh, as, long, as well as uh, long-term complications, but things have changed ever since the introduction, particularly since the introduction of laparoscopic minimal invasive surgery. And also with the uh, increasing expertise, I think surgeons are doing a much better job today. In, um, if you look at the um, mortality rates of bariatric surgery nowadays, they compare favorably with those of uh, the most common uh, uh, abdominal procedures. If you think about gallbladder removal, cholecystectomy, laparoscopic cholecystectomy and, and gastro bypass, uh, have the same uh, rate of mortality. But who would ever say that? Because we, everybody thinks gastro bypass is a lethal or potentially lethal procedure uh, versus maybe uh, cholecystectomy being a very benign one. Uh, but it, the data show that mortality is very low. Complications, major complications, are also very low. If you compare any other abdominal procedure to laparoscopic bariatric surgery today, none of the abdominal procedures have the same safety in the immediate uh, postoperative time. But you also have to be concerned about the long-term consequences. And of course, when you divert the stomach uh, and the duodenum and the small bowel, you may have malnutrition uh, or, or at least the reduction of absorption of certain vitamins, iron, some micronutrients that need to be uh, followed up very carefully and uh, maybe if necessary, supplements should be given to these patients so that they don't develop the consequence of micronutrients, uh, um, re of reduction of micronutrients uh, in vitamins. I have to say that, uh, of course, uh, osteoporosis, um, anemia, and other uh, consequences of uh, low vitamins can occur, especially if you have a, a bypass type of procedure but uh, in the long run. But many of those are preventable if the patient really has a very uh, careful uh, follow-up and sees a nutritionist, the surgeon, and the, uh, I think also the internist uh, over time after surgery. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Stephen Edelman, and I am speaking with Dr. Francesco Rubino. We are discussing gastrointestinal surgery for the treatment of type 2 diabetes, and I love this new term, metabolic surgery, which brings up to our next topic. You know, there's been a big area of interest that when you rearrange the gastrointestinal tract, there may be other hormones that are being altered that actually may explain why a person's blood sugar go from 250 to 125 in 24 hours after surgery. Why don't you expand on that, Francesco? Well, Steve, as you know, the uh, gastrointestinal tract has been considered for many, many years as a, simply a conduit for nutrients to be absorbed. In reality, as you know, the uh, 
uh, stomach, the bowel, the duodenum, the jejunum, all the, the, the components of the small bowel produce a, a huge number of hormones. Uh, and all of those hormones are involved in the regulation of appetite, satiety, body weight, and importantly, the regulation of uh, insulin production. And, and, uh, and now recent uh, data also suggests that insulin action itself is regulated by these hormones. In other words, the nutrients go through the GI tract, hormones are produced and prepare the body, different organs of the body, to deal with the energy that, is being, that has been um, taken. So it, the physiology of the GI tract is uh, critical for the regulation of glucose homeostasis. So if you change the anatomy of this uh, organ, of, an end, of this endocrine organ, uh, I think it should not surprise anybody that you're going to see profound effect on uh, how much insulin is produced, how timely insulin is produced after a meal, and also uh, um, how insulin resistance is improved uh, after these procedures. In some cases, uh, you see a dramatic improvement of diabetes and within um, hours, or I would say within in few days when weight loss is still not uh, substantial. And that was the, the reason why we started to pay attention to this phenomenon and make more research that basically eventually disco uh, discovered how it's just a change in the anatomy of, this, of the GI tract that uh, exerts some sort of uh, anti-diabetic effect. Francesco, um, you know, we've been hearing so much over the past several years about the GLP-1 agonist. Tell us uh, a little bit and focus in on the role of GLP-1 after gastric bypass surgery. Patients who have uh, had gastro bypass do have higher levels of GLP-1. Particularly, they have a higher response of GLP-1 in uh, after uh, meals. Uh, this is whether this is the sole mechanism by which surgery improves diabetes remains controversial. I personally believe that the, the, the mechanism is more complex than that, but it might tell you that, uh, very much in, in terms of uh, how the procedures promote a, a more favorable endocrine, if you were hormonal environment uh, for insulin uh, to be produced and potentially to act better. The good thing of it is that it's endogenous GLP-1, which may be uh, exerting the same, if not more, of the action of exogenous GLP-1. So that may explain why bariatric surgery is so effective, but at the same time, it points towards gastrointestinal hormones as potential targets for a novel anti-diabetic drugs. Are there any type of bariatric surgery procedures that are better for people with diabetes compared to match controls without diabetes? Well, I think we have some data that suggests a few, some procedures may be more powerful than others. Uh, certainly, all the standard conventional bariatric procedures going from gastric bending all the way to gastro bypass and biliopancreatic diversion do have a, a profound impact on diabetes. Even gastrobending, which is probably the least effective on, uh, procedures on, in terms of uh, um, degree of weight loss and degree of diabetes control, is still very uh, powerful if you consider uh, alternative and maybe more conventional methods of improving diabetes. But when you compare uh, this operation with gastro bypass, for instance, then you will see that the number of patients who can achieve near normal blood sugar levels or even improvement of insulin resistance to much better degree, then there is difference that may favor uh, gastro bypass as a, um, a procedure, especially for patients with more severe diabetes who have been diabetic for a longer period of time. I think for a young uh, diabetic uh, patient in terms of 
time diabetes has been around, uh, even gastrobending and some substantial weight loss might be sufficient. But in a patient where diabetes is, uh, has been around for a longer period of time, where uh, there's some doubts about the uh, pancreatic production of insulin, the gastro bypass operation has additional anti-diabetic mechanism and additional mechanism of improving insulin secretion for which it should be considered the procedure, the more powerful procedure for diabetes. What kind of research is needed to help answer some of these important questions? Basically, uh, clinical trials now comparing surgery versus conventional medical treatment should be performed in selected diabetic pop, uh, populations to understand whether surgery should be uh, in certain patients um, uh, like a first-line uh, treatment, although in most cases, I believe, it will always remain a treatment when other things uh, fail. The second line of research is, and I think maybe even more prioritary, to understand the exact mechanism by which surgery improves diabetes, because that will open uh, not only to the, the possibility to treat some patients surgically, but more importantly, may uh, um, uncover the uh, pathophysiology, the, the exact roots of the um, diabetes pathophysiology and offer new targets for uh, more effective uh, and new uh, drugs. Thank you, Francesco. And even with the advancements in medical genomics, we might be able to predict who would be the most successful on bariatric surgery versus medical therapy. I'd like to thank our guest, Chief of Gastrointestinal Metabolic Surgery at Vile Cornell Medical College, New York Presbyterian Hospital in New York, Dr. Francesco Rubino. Dr. Rubino, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. Daddy, what are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. <laughs> GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here <laughs> and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes. And like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. <laughs> yes, I guess, in a way, it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, 
please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.